and welcome to So It's a Show, a podcast where we attempt to keep up with Lorelai and Rory's pop culture references on Gilmore Girls, and a podcast where we talk about Olivia de Havilland as Olivia de Havilland. <laughs> Accurate. Yes, because we need to say everything with overdramatics, and we need to find creative new intros to the show every episode, question mark? Maybe. <laughs> I'm Taylor. And I'm Kyla. And welcome back to our humble abode. Yes. In your ears. In your ears or in your home car. Mm-hmm. It's true. In your Bluetooth speaker. Uh-huh. Those are those are hot these days. Mm-hmm. Alexa, <laughs> play So It's a Show, the podcast. That is possible, isn't it? I've never tried it because I don't have an Alexa. Let, let's try it with Google. Ooh, let's find out. Okay, Google. Play So It's a Show podcast. Okay, playing the latest episode of So It's a Show. Keeping up with the Gilmore Girls. Oh my gosh, we're amazing. Yeah. Also, technology's amazing. Yes. Okay, Google. Stop playing. <laughs> okay, so as we just found out live, you can play us on Google Home, which means you can probably play us on Alexa. I know. You can find us on Apple podcasts on stitcher on google play on iHeartRadio, on spotify we'll talk to you next week thanks bye (laughs) (laughs) just concludes our ad for our show (laughs) yeah (laughs) no actually we have so much to talk about but first before we get into uh, it's just my favorite show of all time i don't know if anything's (laughs) gonna top gilmore girls ever but anyways i started watching foss verdon foss verdon and I I guess I had in my head, because it seems like every dramatic award-winning show these days is so dark and mm-hmm. someone's got to die and there's got to be, like, gruesome, like, <laughs> sexual harassment, like, just awful stuff. Mm-hmm. I just thought this was going to be just like that. But it's not. Now, yes, some of that, much of what I said is in there, but it's not <laughs> ev- <laughs> everything and it's not dark. It has tons of dark things in it. But it's upbeat. <laughs> but upbeat. Yeah. Oh, uh, so no, it you know it's the it's the fifties and sixties and seventies, and so people don't treat each other maybe in the way we expect people to treat each other now. But because everyone treats other people with respect nowadays, yeah. No. Thank goodness we have everything figured out. <laughs> we solved society, and nobody in twenty years or fifty years or a hundred years will look back. With disdain on things that we do now. Okay, definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> but as I maybe should clarify, there are differences in society 30, 40 years ago. So True. they are, some of them are sad. So interesting show, and I'm enjoying it. Go Michelle Williams. I'm a fan of hers. So. Well, and we got to mention. She came away with an Emmy yeah. recently, just like pew, 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 Alex Borstein for Ayo. The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Again, with a classic Alex Borstein 
acceptance uh, moment before acceptance. <laughs> <laughs> Last year, it was her taking off her jacket and, and giving a little shimmy down the aisle. <laughs> this time, she was taking a swig, and you know that she was doing that, ready for the camera to go to her. I know. Well, and I saw Sarah Silverman did something similar for the category she was nominated in. She was pretending mm. to be asleep. And when they called the winner, who was not her, she woke up and was like, was that me? Is it me? Who was it? (laughs) Less, I don't, well, I guess it's funnier if you win, but. (laughs) I think it's, I'm pretty sure she's won before. So so she she can kind of, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She can kind of do what she wants. Yeah. She's cool. Anyway, lots of talented people. And we're definitely going to be talking about Alex Borstein today. Yes, we will. I didn't know that you knew that, but I knew that. Oh, I do know that. (laughs) Uh, Maybe different reasons, maybe the same. We'll find out. We will. So we're talking about Gilmore Girls episode 321, and that is kind of springboarding more things that we're going to be talking about, but we're Mm -hmm. we're basing it, it starts at 321. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. The episode of Gilmore Girls we're talking about today, in conjunction with a few others, we'll get to those later, is Gilmore Girls 321, Here Comes the Sun, which aired May 13th, 2003, right around graduation time, which is perfect because the summary of this episode is, while Rory frets over her last term of finals before graduation, Jess finds himself in Venice, California, where he rejoins his dad and meets his live-in girlfriend and her book-loving daughter. <laughs> Which seems like uh, it's setting up more interesting plot lines that could potentially go into a spin-off TV series that never happened. Nope. And that is why we got the live-in girlfriend, as she's described as mm-hmm. April's mother. Yeah, Yay. well, the same actress, but not yeah. really April's mother in this context. Correct. Yes. Same actress, different roles. We're pretending they're not the same person. Yeah. Much like Kirk is not Mick. (laughs) Or is Mick Kirk? You just don't know. Much like the harpist is not Miss Celine. (gasps) Exactly. Who is, uh, happens to be in the kind of, she's kind of a part of this episode, right? Uh, yeah. So, man. yeah, so what was happening in this episode? While most of the episode does follow Jess in California, and I actually do find that to be a pretty interesting part of the episode. I think it's an, a cool story turn for Jess. The pop culture reference we're talking about today is in the Rory storyline. The Rory line, you might say. <laughs> In which she is getting ready for finals, and Emily says, Rory, I need you to come over and help me pick out what I'm going to wear to your graduation, which (laughs) is definitely top priority, but is really just a sneaky way, I say top priority, sarcastically, of course. It's a sneaky way for Emily to just spend more time with her granddaughter, (laughs) because she's a doting grandma who loves Uh her granddaughter. And when Rory comes over, lo and behold... Someone is there assisting Emily with her fashion choices. It's stunning. Really? Chills. I've got chills. Turn for me, dear. 
Oh, it moves. It just moves. Ginger Rogers always insisted her dresses move just like that. Ginger Rogers? Well, of course, she didn't have your legs. Oh, Celine. <laughs> hey, Grandma. Rory, I'd like you to meet Miss Celine. She's been our fashion consultant for years. Oh, well, how do you... Oh, my God. It's Audrey Hepburn. What? You're Audrey Hepburn in Sabrina. <laughs> just a waif with eyes. Uh, thank you. But even prettier. Yes, without that ridiculous affected accent. For years I kept telling her, Audrey, get a speech therapist. <laughs> she was very stubborn. <laughs> oh, Celine, I love this one. Yes, I had that exact suit made in mint for Mrs. Walter Cronkite just last week. <laughs> a darling woman, yes. We've been friends since the Big Bang. Now, you guys know that this is just a casual graduation, folding chairs on the grass. There's going to be grass? Well, yeah, it's going to be outside. Oh, you cannot wear green around grass. Uh, I learned that from Tova Borgnine, in the hard way. Uh, go try the red one up. Red goes wonderful with nature. All right. I'm going to try the gray linen. Uh, yes, yes, with this white silk shirt. Oh, very nice. Yes, I had that exact shirt on Jimmy Stewart the night before his colonoscopy. <laughs> he came through it clean as a whistle. <laughs> and later in the episode, Miss Celine graces other characters with her presence. Miss Celine? <laughs> oh, my God, it's Natalie Wood. Look, Sabrina, it's Natalie Wood. Oh, Miss Celine, I can't believe it. You're still uh, working. Oh, yeah, I tried to retire once. Olivia de Havilland wouldn't hear of it. Well, how are you? How's Mrs. Walter Cronkite? Lovely. Thank you for asking, Natalie. But before we get ahead of ourselves and talk about this episode, Miss Celine shows up in two other key Gilmore Girl scenes. Yeah, she does. And by key, I mean delightful, not plot-moving scenes <laughs> <laughs> that we really enjoy. It just People always need to be dressed, and they need to hear names dropped. So it's important in that way. Mm-hmm. So here she is, reappearing in Season 5, Episode 12, Come home. Ah, Emily, wonderful timing. Please start with the Oscar de la Renta. Susan Hayward never wore anything but de la Renta in her final days. Clark Gable never knew what he was missing. (laughs) He was a cad, but the crease in his pants was immaculate. (gasps) Oh, my God, it's Natalie Wood. (laughs) Hello, Miss Celine. You look wonderful. Olive oil on the inside and on the outside. Anna Magnani taught me that. What do you think? Whatever you want, Mom. Lorelai, you're my maid of honor. I need your opinion here. Well, I kind of like that one, or even the one next to it. I'll try them both. You'll try them all. <laughs> you know, I had the worst row with Dietrich once. I told her, Marlena, until you actually become a man, you must try dresses on like a woman. <laughs> and that means all of them. Oh, my God, you're Mary Martin. Take it off immediately. Oh, dear. Here, try this one on. Mm. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying to decide... Whether to go with a hat or some sort of headpiece, or whether that's too much. You know, when I was dressing Marilyn for her wedding to Arthur Miller, I told her, I said, Marilyn, wear a flat hat on your head. It will remind him of a book. <laughs> she didn't, and we all saw how that turned out. Very nice. Oh, <gasps> there you go. Mrs. Oscar Levant loved that look. And not to be outdone, she appears... For a third time in A Year in the Life, the fall episode. 
Lorelei, I need to finish pinning that dress. I don't want you to lean over and have your Deanna Durbins tumble out in front of the clergy. Just one minute, Miss Celine. Lucas, you are next. Uh, we need to make sure that suit hugs only the things that need hugging. Kirk Douglas taught me that. That and the horror. My suit's fine, Miss Celine. You know from here, you look a little like Mr. Eli Wallach. I met him on the set of Baby Doll. He was all about the method. He would say, don't you look at me. I've got to save my erotic energy for Carol. If that's what Kazan wants, that's what Kazan will get. So Miss Celine, kind of a big deal, seems to know a lot of people. Yeah, you might say so. So do you think we should cover, I don't know, maybe uh, 15 of the people she knows? Yeah, because doing more than that seems excessive. And we've already covered Jimmy Stewart and Mary Martin in yes. our episodes on Harvey and our Broadway Melody. Not yeah. that long ago, by the way, on that last one. Yeah. So yeah, 15 seems doable. Not crazy at all. Yeah. Maybe we'll call it the Miscellane Super Up. Love it. <laughs> well, to just give you a little rundown so you don't get confused, we are going to break up Miscellane's pop culture references, not in our normal chronological fashion, but in a thematic fashion. We are going to start with the people that she gave a thumbs up to, then maybe some people she gave some thumbs down to. And then maybe some people that she thought looked like some other people. So we grouped them together. And I, I don't know about you, Taylor, but I was surprised <laughs> by how many of these references, considering how many names Miss Celine drops, I was kind of going in expecting, okay, yeah, these will be people who were alive around the time when Miss Celine would have been her prime. And so, yeah, she'll just reference them because they're from the same time period. But I found some, like, crazy similarities that were, like, these are so spot on. They weren't just random. Once again, Amy Sherman-Palladino surprising me. Okay, and I definitely found some overlaps between some of these people. Mm -hmm. So you'll have to fill me in on what you know. I'll tell you what I know. Maybe at the end we'll all know something more. I think we will. <laughs> so, uh, Miss Celine. She, she's, you know, she knows she's all that. She, she's, she knows. But she also admits that she's learned from others. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm going to tell you about a few of those people. So, a Miss Tova Bornine. Bornine. Is it, it Borgnine? I think it's Borgnine. That sounds fancier. We'll go with that. She was from 321, episode 321. Rory is like, hey, this is going to be a casual graduation. But Miss Celine is like, grass? They're going to be <laughs> on the grass? You can't wear a green dress and with grass, which I kind of get. You it don't want to. Camouflage. Yeah. Fashionable camo. So Tova Bor Borgnine. Borgnine. <laughs> you know, more think. just Borgnine. Let's go with Tova. Miss Tova. Yeah. She is a Norwegian-American businesswoman, and she founded her own beauty line, Beauty by Tova. Uh, and, and it's who been did on... it, I wonder? <laughs> Tova! This cosmetics line has been on the very reputable program QVC <laughs> since 1990. 
So, I don't know if anyone listening to this has ever bought anything on QVC. If you have, I would love to get an email so you can tell us how that turned out. I do love the movie Joy, which is about Jennifer Mm. Lawrence selling mops on QVC. That's true. I didn't find... Now, with her, I I looked for her in a green dress. I... I, I didn't know. Um, so that one didn't hit me so much. So unless there's either something I'm missing, but she married a actor and was she was actually his fifth wife and he died until she was married to him until he died, which is kind of surprising if you're wife number five, but worked out for a couple decades. And I don't know, makeup, I don't know. Well, and I even wondered, as you were talking, I did a little search to see if there's an iconic red dress she wears, because that's what Miss mm. Celine then recommends. Not seeing anything that I'm convinced is a be-all, end-all reason for that. Yeah, so this one's a bit of a mystery, but this might have been more of a just Miss Celine kind of throwing one out there. Okay, yeah. okay. So we're starting with one not as intriguing, so let's move on. So then we've got, in episode 512, Miss Celine says that she learned from Anna Magnana, Magnani, Manani. I know. And she says it so fast that I'm not 100% sure that Miss Celine is really saying it properly. Yeah. So she says that she learned from her um, olive oil on the inside and on the outside is uh, how you keep looking beautiful, (laughs) which I've never heard. But apparently there's a book called 492 Great Things About Being Italian. Uh And it's about uh, Italian-Americans and how awesome they are and things that are unique to them. And Anna Magnani is in it. Anna Magnani, whatever, is in it. And the book says, The liquid's healthful properties are said to extend to the complexion, according to actress Anna Magnani. For good skin, olive oil, inside you and on you. Alrighty. she was quoted in that book for that. And she was an Italian stage and film actress, won the Oscar for Best Actress, playing a Sicilian widow in the rose tattoo. So, olive oil, inside and out. It worked for Miss Celine. I'm up for it. I cook with it a lot. (laughs) Maybe I'll be set for life. I don't know. Alrighty then. Did she learn anything else from anyone famous she name dropped? You know, she did. From a Mr. Kirk Douglas in A Year in the Life, Fall, who was a pretty handsome man, I'd have to say. When she's telling Luke, or she calls him Lucas, you're next. You need to make sure that suit hugs the things that, only the things that need hugging. Kirk Douglas taught me that. That and the horror. <laughs> <laughs> so Kirk Douglas, he looks fine in a suit, but he is a he. His parents were Jewish immigrants, so he definitely could have known the horror because it's a Romanian or Israeli dance oh. where you dance in a circle. And actually, people horrid on if that's a verb, dance the horror <laughs> in season six, episode sixteen of Gilmore Girls. All right, let's bring this whole mishpaka down to the dance floor. Oh my gosh! It's my favorite scene! (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh, I love when Hep Alien plays at bar mitzvahs. He's great. <laughs> They're so good at it. So the Hora, apparently important dance in Gilmore Girls. It's important to Miss Celine. It's important to Hep Alien. Yeah. Apparently important to the Paladinos. Yeah. So the last person who Miss Celine kind of learned something from, this is a mystery. And <laughs> you'll quickly realize why I couldn't even fully research it. So Miss Celine says she needs to finish pinning Lorelai's dress because she doesn't want Lorelai to lean over and have her Deanna Durbins tumble out in front of the clergy. <laughs> so I imagine that she was using Deanna Durbin, that she was referring to Lorelai's breasts as Deanna Durbins. As did I. Uh-huh. So for obvious reasons, Googling my, my research... <laughs> um. Had to the be a little a scary limited. place. Yeah, because I could. It was trying to give me all sorts of of things that I didn't want. I wasn't mm -hmm. image searching though, you know, just in Google. And so I was trying to figure out like, why would Deanna Durbin's be slaying for breasts? She was in 1946. Just to give you understanding, she was the second highest paid woman in the United States, just behind Betty Davis. Oh. And in 1947, she was the top salaried woman. So like she. Her career went up, but then it declined kind of quickly after that. But she actually turned down a Broadway role as Eliza Doolittle in My Fair Lady. Interesting. Yeah. But I found some footage of her wedding. She seemed perfectly encased. I, I'm <laughs> so not sure. So there's no sure. history of Deanna Durbin's Deanna Durbin's spilling out before some clergy? Yeah, which again, my research, I could tell it was, it was giving me some fake links. <laughs> <laughs> I see. So, yeah, so it's kind Don't of Don't believe everything you read on the internet, kids. Yeah. Yeah, so that one it's a little bit difficult to research unless I want to click on scary things and I don't. So, I am not sure if anyone I couldn't find anything about her having a slip or anything. So <laughs> no Janet Jackson moments. No, I mean, she wasn't flat-chested, so maybe she was had bigger breasts for that day. I mean, it's hard for me to save because body types change you know over the and years fashion but silhouettes change yes, so it's kind of hard to yes. yeah but i was just staring at photos trying to see <laughs> sounds like lorelei and rory in season one yes oh my gosh your boobs are way bigger than mine <sighs> that is not true yes it is your boobs are totally bigger than mine you're crazy that, do you want to measure so again that that one was a, a mystery if you want to research it, someone, or if you already know, let us know. Or if you're Deanna Durbin's, let us know. <laughs> How'd you get that? <laughs> um, so, yeah. But, and now, the dancing is kind of random, but it's mostly the style that she cares about. And I feel like she had a few, maybe, style icons who she looked up to. Oh, yeah. Get ready. <laughs> First up. Ginger Rogers. Ever heard of her? Yeah. Was that a yes or a no? Um, oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I thought you were going to say more. <laughs> okay. Well, you are, probably, you are probably familiar with the name Ginger Rogers. Someone once famously said about her she did everything Fred Astaire did, but backwards and in high heels. <laughs> and 
apparently she loved to have dresses that move, according to Miss Celine. Oh. And you probably know her for her movies with Fred Astaire. She did start as a Broadway star. She also did some dramatic roles, including winning an Oscar for Best Actress in the movie Kitty Foyle. But her claim to fame, those musicals with Fred Astaire, they did 33 dance routines together in 10 different movies that spanned from 1933 to 1949. Wow. And they stole the show, actually, in a bit part in the very first movie they were in together. And some people thought they actually stole the show from the lead. So from <laughs> then on, they were paired together in all of these movies. And it worked really well because Fred Astaire was a really well-known perfectionist. And she was one of the few people who had both enough talent and patience to work with him <laughs> consistently. And I have watched several movies with them together. They are so incredible to watch if you ever get a chance to watch some like top hat or the gay divorcee <laughs> so good and i think when miss Celine talks about dresses that move i don't think we need to overthink this ginger rogers needed dresses that moved because she was dancing in high heels backwards sometimes dancing on roller skates <laughs> backwards mm -hmm. this woman was moving all over the place and needed beautiful dresses that could move with her Love it. That's a pretty image. Mm-hmm. Dress that moves. Also in this season three episode, she says that she had made a suit for Mrs. Walter Cronkite just last week. Okay. <laughs> she says they've been friends since the Big Bang. <laughs> <laughs> and Mrs. Walter Cronkite is someone that was a little trickier to find information about because she is not famous for her own career or mm -hmm. for her own achievements she is famous because she was married to walter cronkite whom some people call the most trusted man in the news her full name was mary elizabeth cronkite and went by the name betsy which <laughs> i just think is real cute mm -hmm. and they met in kansas city missouri after they both worked in journalism together she continued to work in a newspaper while he was in world war ii serving overseas wow. they ended up going to europe together after the war where he was a chief correspondent and then they moved back to the united states he became really well known for as a news anchor and they had a long life together they had three kids they were married and Till her um until she passed away in 2005 so wow. they had a long life together which is awesome and we don't know exactly at least in my research i was not able to find tons about her but she was indeed alive at the time of this gilmore girls airing she died at the age of 89 so depending on how miss celine defines the big bang it's quite possible they were friends since the big bang yeah <laughs> so did you see any photos of mrs walter cronkite in a suit Ooh, that's a great question i did see a nice lovely headshot of her but it was from her younger days like in kansas city so probably not the exact suit made in mint for last week yeah <laughs> mm -hmm. i was not able to confirm this but interesting mm-hmm Jumping ahead a little to the season five episode we were discussing, we have two more style icons we need to discuss that she name drops. 
Susan Hayward, and Clark Gable. I don't know if you are like me. I didn't realize I knew who Susan Hayward was. Just give it a minute. (laughs) Yeah. She was a smaller actor compared to some of these other ones we're name dropping here. So there's not as much information available about her either. But she started her Hollywood career in the 1930s. She was a big star by the 1940s. And she starred in some movies that were notable at the time, like My Foolish Heart and I'll Cry Tomorrow. And most importantly for us, she starred in Valley of the Dolls. Yes, who was she? She played Helen Lawson. Turner Classic Movies describes her as a past-her-prime film star in the abysmal Valley of the Dolls. Abysmal! (laughs) I know. Is this the one who gets her wig dragged off and thrown in the toilet? That could be. (laughs) How dare I did not rewatch Valley of the Dolls to confirm that Helen Lawson is, in fact, the one that gets her wig thrown off and thrown in the toilet. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, By Neely (laughs) O'Hara! You haven't heard our Valley of the Dolls episode. Oh, yeah. Listen. One of the OGs. One of them. And I did try and look into it. I could not confirm or deny that Susan Hayward never wore anything but Oscar de la Renta in her final days. (laughs) But I can confirm that she was in a movie with Clark Gable. They were in the 1955 movie Soldiers of Fortune together, and that's probably why... Miss Celine says Clark Gable never knew what he was missing. He was a cad, but the crease in his pants was immaculate. (laughs) (laughs) That's pro and con list. What I can confirm, not that if the crease in his pants was immaculate all the time, I can confirm he was probably a cad. If you read his little biography on Turner Classic Movies. It's a long list of women he's involved with. (laughs) Mm. So we know him best for movies like It Happened One Night, which he won an Oscar for, Gone with the Wind, other big titles like that. He was definitely considered a strong actor. He was also memorable because he served during World War II, so he became a face of people serving in the war. Apparently Hmm. Hitler put out a special memo about trying to capture Clark Gable. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Yeah. Whew. Not great. But there's also a long list of women that he's involved with. His first wife was a manager and acting coach named Josephine Dillon. His second wife was a wealthy socialite named Maria Langham. During that marriage, he also had dalliances with Joan Crawford and Marion Davies, and he had an illegitimate daughter with Loretta Young. His third wife, Carol Lombard, died in a plane crash tragically in 1942, and they say he kind of never really recovered after that happened. Apparently, they were really in love. And I, you have to remind me, didn't we talk about this with somebody else in another episode where somebody died in a plane crash? And wasn't it as Elizabeth Taylor who had many spouses? Oh, yeah. Weird overlap. Yeah. He married a fourth woman, Lady Sylvia Ashley, who apparently looked a lot like Carol Lombard. (laughs) And his fifth wife 
was named Kay William Spreckles. Don't have a lot of information on her. But perhaps Missaline is saying that he never knew what he was missing because as far as I can tell, he and Susan Hayward were never involved romantically. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, maybe that is it because if he was involved with so many people, but not her. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, why not her? But let's see. Maybe you can tell us about some people who didn't listen to Miss Celine. Yeah, I've got a few. And there's some interesting people. <laughs> yes, maybe, in fact. Yes. So Lorelai tries to kindly say, Miss Celine, I can't believe you're still working. She probably was thinking alive, but <laughs> <laughs> working yeah. is what she went with. Which, doesn't that remind you of her reaction to Miss Fran? Yeah. Just like, how old is she again? Oh. <laughs> um, when you don't, you're, hmm, what? When you're going on a long vacation in the <laughs> sky? What? <laughs> oh, yeah, classic. So, apparently, Olivia de Havilland wouldn't hear of Miss Celine retiring. So, de Havilland, she made her screen debut in A Midsummer's Night's Dream, which was filmed at, that's right, Warner Brothers Studios. Oh, classic. So, you know, maybe she walked where Miss Celine walked. Would have walked on the set. But then she became more well-known, being Errol Flynn's other half in Mm -hmm. Captain Blood and the Adventures of Robin Hood. Which we talked about back in season one. Yep, and I'll be talking about Errol Flynn in relation to another actress in a little bit that's uh, a little less lighthearted. But she's most known for... Gone with the Wind as Mel- playing M- Melanie Hamilton. Mm. And she received her first of five Oscar nominations in that, for that movie. Mm-hmm. Go her. But at the time that this Gilmore Girls episode aired, she was 87, which is old, but it's not like you wouldn't be surprised that they're still alive. Mm-hmm. Whereas I was just kind of thinking of it as like, you know, Miss Aline is so old, Olivia de Havilland, maybe she's, like, really old, too. But she is actually 103 right now and still kicking. I know. So she did. She did end up living, like, just as long as Miss Celine, Probably. Well, and who's to say how much longer Miss Celine has in her? Yeah. So maybe Miss Celine can't retire until Olivia de Havilland... It, it kind of makes sense, right? She won't let her retire. She's like, nope, sorry, I'm still living. And I have, by the way, I've got 16 more years at least to go. <laughs> her or Kirk Douglas, who's 102 and still living. Wow. A lot of these, like, golden era of Hollywood mm-hmm. actors still here. Just, That's you know, awesome. chilling. Not, mm-hmm. not uh, Yeah, Kirk so Douglas made an appearance at the Oscars in the last year. Was it this year or last year? He looked his age. Let's just put it that way. Like, <laughs> I'm so you glad should, you're here. But I know. You're, I'm so glad you're here. But also, you look exhausted by being here. It's yeah. way past your bedtime. <laughs> I just want to tell them, like, just, it's okay. Go back to your recliner. Uh-huh. It's fine. You've earned mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I kind of like that. Because, you know, super old, just like Miss Celine. Mm-hmm. And fit. It ended up working more than Gilmore Girls even knew it would. Mm-hmm. But then you got some players in episode 512 that she brings up. These ones are these ones are interesting. <laughs> Should we start with Marlene or Marilyn? 
Mm, I say Marlene. All right. So, oh, Marlene Dietrich. She she was not a great lady. <laughs> not a great lady. And not for all the reasons I'm going to tell you. So, but not everything I'm going to tell you makes her bad, but many things. You'll okay, I see Just know saying. that everything I'm saying is not a bad thing. So this was where Emily has a bunch of different wedding dress options for her vow renewal. Mm -hmm. And she's like, oh, which one do I try? And she's like, oh, I'll try them both. And Miss Celine says, you'll try them all. I had the worst row with Dietrich once. I told her, Marlene, until you actually become a man, you must try dresses on like a woman. And that means all of them. I was like, okay, Marlene, man, question mark? I don't know. Let's find out. Not a man, woman all her life. She really got known as a cabaret dancer in movies. In 1929, she was Lola Lola, a cabaret singer in the production of Bl The Blue Angel. Mm. I know nothing about it, but she was a cabaret singer in it. The next year, actually the same year Blue Angel came out, Morocco came out. So 1930 is when they end up coming out. So in Morocco, she was again cast as a cabaret singer. Um, really where this comes from is one scene in which she is dressed in a suit and she comes out and everyone's like really confused and then she uh, decides to kiss a woman right there in her suit because she's pretending to be a man and gets lots of laughs and that everyone's like really surprised and like booing her when she first comes out in that suit but then they weren't booing so much when she kisses someone. Pre-Haze <laughs> Code for sure. What's Haze Code? Ooh, we'll talk a little bit more about the Hayes Code later. But it was basically the production code that it was basically a censoring system to mm. make sure no content went outside of a certain circle of, this is approved. <laughs> yeah, gotcha. So she ended up with her in her career, she developed her own show for Vegas and Paris. And that went really well. And she actually would wear like the first part of her act she would wear super tight dresses and she was known for this sequin dress that looked see-through and so people wanted to come see that the first half and then the second half she would wear a top hat and tails and then she would sing songs that were that only men usually would sing so she did even in like after this movie she would dress like a man but also she was bisexual so that was, you know, part of it, too, is she was feeling, seemed like she was comfortable kind of messing with the gender roles, which is very unique for that time. Well, at least as far as showing up in movies and things. Mm -hmm. But she, <laughs> she had many affairs. Now, you know, rumored, I not all of them you can totally confirm, but on her list is actually Errol Flynn. Okay. And actually before Errol Flynn, Errol Flynn's wife. <laughs> So she got both okay. the Flynn's, a couple of Kennedys, including JFK. And she was actually married to her husband, though, until his death. And she lived with him and his mistress for years. And she was a bad mom, though. There's an interview with her daughter. It's just really sad, like, putting her daughter in an unsafe situation okay. with a woman. So she's not, not, good, not a good person. It seems like she and Errol Flynn probably had some war stories to swap. Yeah, yeah. Don't meet the your The man whose heroes. autobiography was My Wicked Wicked Ways. <laughs> so maybe they fit together that way. So, yeah, but it seems like she had issues. 
pass those on to her daughter. Just sad, kind of. Mm. So, and certainly I'm sure with her, I mean, struggling with, I don't know, with sexuality or gender roles, like, that is not an easy time for her to live her life. So, yeah. So she was, she was an interesting one, but I, the interview with her daughter, she's kind of sad. So mm-hmm. sad that you can like see someone up on a screen, but behind the scenes, they're like really struggling and mm-hmm. hurting people. So, but all that to say, Miss Celine was spot on in that she had dressed like a man often, but she never tried to become a man. But upbeat. <laughs> <laughs> Well, should we uh, talk about one more, one more couple of people that Ooh. did not take? Well, I guess one person didn't take the advice. Two people were impacted. Yeah. So Marilyn Monroe and Arthur Miller. Marilyn, this was Marilyn Monroe's longest marriage, big old five years. So mm-hmm. good job? Question mark. <laughs> Sounds and... like it could have lasted longer if she just <laughs> listened to Miss Celine. Yep, Miss Celine said, "Marilyn, wear a flat." A flat hat on your head. It will remind him of a book. She didn't, and, well, see how that turned out. So, Mm -hmm. Arthur Miller was Marilyn Monroe's most serious husband. He was a noted playwright, and so she kind of liked the idea of being tied to someone who was taken more seriously. Because she Mm -hmm. was a sex symbol. You know, that's what she was known for. She didn't. She wore a little, like, whoopee veil thing. So it wasn't like it was round. It was just over her head. And there's that. But I think it totally fit that she wanted to make him think of a book because the whole mystery about their marriage was about how different they were, that he was serious, smart, and she was, you know, crazy Marilyn. Um, Don't have to explain that. (laughs) And so Miss Celine was like, make him think of a book, you know, make him look at you like you're smart, (laughs) maybe, is what she was meaning. But she didn't do that. And it didn't pay off, apparently. Yeah, all because of the veil. But Amy Sherman-Palladino has not stopped thinking about Marilyn and Arthur's marriage. Because our Emmy Award-winning character, Emmy Award-winning Alex Borstein in Marvelous Mrs. Maisel Season 2, Episode 8, drops another Marilyn-Arthur ref. No one's bringing up my bags? No. It's a motel. You want them, you go get them. Right. Okay. Do not look at me. Fine. I'm going to go down to get the bags and carry them up myself. After all, this trip is about trying new things and expanding my horizons. It's bags, not a threesome with Marilyn Monroe and Arthur Miller. So, you know, Marvelous Mrs. May is a little, little more crude than, than Gilmore Girls. But I couldn't find anything, not that I was going to look too hard, about a threesome <laughs> between Marilyn Monroe, <laughs> Arthur Miller, and other people. But that episode of Mrs. Maisel was based in 1958. And their marriage was between 1956 and 1961, so they would have been married at the time, which is also curious that Susie would reference, talk, mention a threesome with them when they are married. I, I'm not really sure, but maybe that's just Susie's crude way of speaking. <laughs> that would be consistent with her character. <laughs> that would be. So... Lots of interesting people. Wowza. Well, we've got one last group of people to cover, and boy, oh boy, this Miss Celine Super Up is getting super. We are almost done with packing it in. Are you ready? I'm ready. These are the people 
that Miss Celine thinks are still with her are someone that <laughs> she is talking to now slash people she worked with in the past. Ayo. For example, in this episode in season three, she greets Rory with, It's Audrey Hepburn and Sabrina, just a waif <laughs> with eyes. And told Audrey to get a speech therapist. Well, I have to tell you, friends, I was so excited to talk about Miss Selena's episode because I am an Audrey Hepburn fan. Big fan. I Yes. <laughs> have I decorated my guest room with pictures of Audrey Hepburn? Have I read multiple books about her and I just found another one during this research that I want to <laughs> buy and read? Yes. And... Sabrina is one of my favorite Audrey Hepburn movies. It came out in 1954 and stars Audrey, Humphrey Bogart, and William Holden. It won an Oscar for Best Costumes for a Black and White Film, and they're divine. Controversial, though, about whether they were designed by Edith Head or Hubert de Gavinci. Mm. That's a story for another podcast. <laughs> It was also nominated for five more Oscars, including Best Actress for Audrey Hepburn. Nice. And she had already won once for Roman Holiday. Look at her go. I decided to rewatch this movie this weekend just because I could and because I own it and I really <laughs> like it. And one fun detail I had never noticed before, but Humphrey Bogart's character went to Yale. Just like Rory. Love it. Mm-hmm. And this movie is just divine it's a cinderella story it's humphrey bogart and william holden playing rich wealthy brothers which i realize is redundant but they're that rich and wealthy <laughs> they both fall in love with audrey hepburn's sabrina oh i have seen this movie you have yeah good she's the chauffeur's daughter and it's so romantic oh, and sweet yeah. okay but do go on i just realized mm -hmm. that i've seen it well, and her description of her as just a waif with eyes is actually fairly accurate. <laughs> but there are some things in her background that contributed to that. She was born in 1929, which means she was young when World War II began. And she did hop around a lot because of political issues and because her parents didn't have a great marriage. She was born in Belgium. Her mom sent her to a British boarding school for a while. And then her mom, after her parents separated, moved their family to the Netherlands to avoid World War II, thinking that it was a neutral country and that they would be safe there. But the Germans invaded, and her mom had actually been a fascist previously, but once she actually saw how fascism was being lived out, she changed her political views and joined the resistance against the Nazis. And so, perhaps if you're talking about a ridiculous accent, Miss Celine, it could be because she was living all over Europe as a young girl. <laughs> but she also was malnourished for much of the war. Mm. And part of the reason she was so skinny for most of her life was because she really, like, she almost starved to death during the war wow. because there was such a limited food supply. And one of the good things that came out of that is that she had a lifelong memory of that and her son Luca Doty said in an interview that when she talked about her life she would talk about growing up in the war not about her time in Hollywood 
And later in her life, she spent the years that she could supporting UNICEF and trying to support children in need. So one of the reasons I really admire her is not just for her talent and for her style, because those things are definitely true, but because I think she did a great thing and used her platform to help children because of her own experience, which I think is really cool. Yeah. So Miss Celine's perspective on her is not wrong but there's definitely more to the story than just her being thin or having an unusual accent Hmm. nice it's cool to hear that backstory Mm -hmm. and side note just in a strange turn of events if you watch sabrina and decide you really love it you can bid on her beautiful evening gown that she wears in the movie apparently it was in carrie fisher and debbie reynolds things (laughs) <laughs> and they're doing the final auction of all their movie memorabilia coming up October 8th. Wow. And in a separate auction, the Rolls Royce that her dad drives will go up for auction November 20th. Wow. I'm just saying now's the time. Jump on it. Yeah. Jump on it. <laughs> Man, those uh, those big auctions they have, I've looked at them because like, uh-huh. it would be cool, right, to own some of that. But also so expensive and i don't mm-hmm. know but it would it, some of it like there are little things that you can get that would be cool to have but i don't know i've never gotten any of it well if you have an extra 80 to one hundred and twenty thousand dollars, that's <laughs> how much they're expecting the dress to go for wow i'll wear mm-hmm. it every day <laughs> as a crop top <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> Someone else that is a lookalike in the Gilmore family, it's Natalie Wood. Natalie Wood. Why is that my favorite? I don't know, but the way she says that is my favorite. It's Natalie Wood. Let's play it again. (laughs) Oh my God, it's Natalie Wood. I think this is an interesting reference too, because there's really no context except that it's Natalie Wood. Many of these others, like they give you the context of Audrey... The context of Audrey Hepburn and Sabrina, or this person in this movie, or this event, like the marriage of Arthur Miller and Marilyn Monroe. Nope, she's just Natalie Wood. (laughs) Quick overview about her. We did talk about her briefly in our James Dean episode, because she starred with him in Rebel Without a Cause, and earned her first Oscar nomination for that. You might also know her for movies like Miracle on 34th Street, when she started as a child star. And she was also in an Elia Kazan film called Splendor in the Grass that she got an Oscar nomination for. She was also known for her love life. She dated a lot of older men, including Elvis. Didn't know that till now. And she also starred in the movie Gypsy, which, hey, that's going to be updated by Amy Sherman Palladino soon. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And she is also remembered not just for her wonderful roles in those movies and West Side Story and the wonderful talent that she had, but also because she had a very mysterious death in which she was either pushed or fell off of a boat at night that she was on with her husband, Robert Wagner, whom she was married to twice, just like Elizabeth Taylor was married to Richard Burton twice. Another Elizabeth Taylor overlap (laughs) here. And Christopher Walken was on the boat as well, that she was in a movie with him. And they actually have just recently reopened a case looking into it. Oh, I do remember hearing about Mm -hmm. that. Apparently in 2011, they said that they were going to reopen it. 
and then again early last year, 2018. So people just can't get over this. We don't know what happened, but apparently Lorelai looks a lot like Natalie Wood. I can, I don't know if I really see it. I see some similarity. I see Audrey Hepburn and Rory more than I see Natalie Wood and Lorelai. Yeah, but maybe the eyes, something in the Mm -hmm. the eyes. Two more lookalikes we got to talk about. Mrs. Oscar Levant apparently looks a lot like Emily. I had to do a little digging. Another person who's a little more difficult to find information on. Miss Celine likes her obscure name drops. But we are probably not talking about Barbara Smith Waddell because she was only married to Oscar Levant, the composer, for a year. Mm. We are almost certainly talking about June Gale. Mm. And just some fun facts about June Gale. She was born a twin, and her birth name was actually Doris Gilmartin. But her parents had two sets of twins within (gasps) about two years of each other. And so they marketed them as quadruplets. It started as a mistake. And then they started out, they changed their names to June, Joan, Jane, and Jean. And they were the Dancing Gale Quadruplets. Oh my gosh. Like I said, though, two sets of twins, 14 months apart. And they were always worried about them being discovered. So that's part of the reason why they didn't (laughs) continue that the rest of their lives. But she married Oscar Levant in 1939, and they were married until his death. But apparently they had kind of a tumultuous marriage. She was known as very loyal and supportive of him, but he apparently had some mental health issues that were not being addressed and it was difficult to live with. He had chronic hypochondria and acute mood swings. And she was also raising their three girls. And so they were known to have physical battles, emotional tirades, separations, reconciliations, and both had suicide attempts. And apparently it was all over the tabloids. And they were known as the Feudin and Fussin Levants of Beverly Hills. (laughs) I know. Not a funny situation, but that's a funny title. (laughs) They apparently had one very public spat in 1956. They hosted the Oscar Levant show together and they got in a fight while it was on air and she left in the middle and then started her own show. (laughs) Okay. That works. But they apparently stayed together until his death and she was known as Hollywood's only saint because she tried to support her husband through his addiction to prescription drugs. Hmm. So, interesting that they are a troubled marriage and apparently she looks a lot like Emily Gilmore. Yeah, maybe like the jawline? (laughs) (laughs) I can see some similarity, maybe in the eyebrows and how she has them mm, put yes. together. But the she does have a lovely too, smile. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Alrighty, I can see some similarity, but yeah. I don't know if I would necessarily peg her as an Emily. 
Now, when you pull up some pictures of her in Dirty Dancing, though, I can definitely see some similarities. Yeah, looking at a black and white photo, because they're all black and white photos of June <laughs> Gale, that helps, too. I definitely see some similarities. I think that makes sense. Okay. Miss Celine's eyesight isn't too far off. All right, I've got one more pop culture ref for you that Miss Celine drops, and it's going to be tying in with some other ones we've already talked about today. Ooh. Let's talk about the movie Baby Doll, directed by Elia Kazan and starring Eli Wallach and Carol Baker. So apparently there's a lot going on uh, with Eli Wallach saving his energy for Carol Baker. And apparently, Miss Celine was just so hard to stay away from. <laughs> a little bit about this movie. It came out in 1956. It was written by Tennessee Williams, whom you might know from A Streetcar Named Desire and yeah. Glass Menagerie and other great plays. And he was basing this off of a one-act play that he wrote. It went on to get four Oscar nominations, but it was not without a lot of controversy. Here's a quick plot synopsis from Turner Classic Movies. A child bride holds her husband at bay while flirting with a sexy Italian farmer. Okay. I watched this movie. Yeah, you did. I did. And while it's definitely not family friendly, I have to say I was a little surprised by the response it got at the time it came out. Apparently, it barely passed the Hayes Production Code administration rules. They requested several revisions throughout. This is the one I mentioned that tried to keep content within a certain bubble for a mm -hmm. long time. That ran from 1930 to 1968. And that apparently passed after some revisions. But it was condemned by the Legion of Decency, an influential Catholic organization. Oh. And apparently Francis Cardinal Spellman of New York, he condemned the film and they led, helped lead the first ever nationwide boycott of an American-made film produced by a major studio. Wowza. It says almost 20 million Catholics protested the film. They picketed theaters that showed it. <laughs> it nearly killed the film. It was canceled by 77% of theaters. That had planned to show it, and it only made about $600,000 at the box office. Wow. Yeah. Apparently, this was a controversial movie. It was not just the Legion of Decency, though, that was not a fan of this movie. Time Magazine said it, it was just possibly the dirtiest American-made motion picture that has ever been legally exhibited. Wow. Okay, now you've watched this movie. I'm dying to know. Is is it bad? Well, here's the thing. By today's standards, definitely not. <laughs> uh, it is. I would still say it's not family friendly. Don't watch this movie with your children because it is a plot involving adultery and a situation where a woman is basically forced into a marriage as a teenager by her dying dad to ensure her security and the deal with this guy that she marries is he can't touch her until their 20 her 20th birthday oh yeah so it's just an awkward weird 
yeah. uncomfortable situation because she's 19 and we're counting down the days till she's 20 and this guy's creepy and not a good husband and he can't really even financially support her so he's not even really keeping his end of the deal and then when he is upset that he's lost all of his cotton gin business which is a time <laughs> capsule for you <laughs> he burns down the other guy's cotton gin played by eli wallach not and... eli whitney who invented the cotton gin <laughs> <laughs> the history that the one history piece that i remember from grade school history class and that is just one of those facts we all remember that eli whitney invented the cotton gin you it's remember true. that one too yes i totally do why do we remember that i don't know do other people remember this please let us know <laughs> But in this case, we are not talking about Eli Whitney. We are talking about Eli Wallach, who plays the said sexy Italian man. <laughs> said sexy Italian man? According to Turner <laughs> Classic Movies. Oh. And he suspects that her husband has done this terrible thing. But to make sure and to get to the bottom of it, he comes over to their place and basically tries to seduce her, a.k.a. I don't think I've said this. Her name is Baby Doll. That's what everybody calls her. And she sleeps in a crib and sucks her thumb. (gasps) Oh. Because they're about out of furniture because it keeps getting repossessed. Yeah, lots of weird, gross stuff happening. And if it's a... station. It's not not a fun movie, I'll tell you that. (laughs) Um, I mean, good performances from Carol Baker and Eli Wallach. Um, it's written by Tennessee Williams, so there's definitely some story merit playing with a lot of the themes and Southern setting that he's used to. It's definitely dated. It's n- would not be nearly as controversial today, but once again, don't watch with your kids. But I also don't feel weird saying that I watched this movie even knowing that my dad listens to this podcast, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, like, don't worry, Dad. It's fine. <laughs> uh. Yeah, but to Miss Celine's point, there's definitely a tension going on between Baby Doll and Eli Wallach's character. He also, I can f- confirm, was a method actor. He went to New York's prestigious neighborhood playhouse and he learned the method style of acting there so this is actually pretty consistent with what we know of eli wallach okay unclear though if he continued this the rest of his life and was still doing it when he was in the movie the holiday with kate winslet as the (laughs) elderly gentleman who lives next door to her (laughs) he is so charming in that movie and i love it so much i don't remember his character at all oh we got to rewatch The Holiday. So good. A uh, few fun facts, though, we got to mention about this movie. Marilyn Monroe was Tennessee Williams' first choice to play Baby Doll. Oh. And, yeah. you know, I thought Carol Baker was great, but I could also see Marilyn in this role. Speaking of Carol Baker, she played the daughter in Giant, another connection to Elizabeth Taylor, which we watched for our James Dean movie. Mm-hmm. And she was in a movie with Clark Gable called But Not For Me. Hmm. Speaking of Clark Gable, Eli Wallach was in Clark Gable and Marilyn Monroe's last movie, The Misfits, which was written by Arthur Miller. Whoa. I know. And Carol Baker, for a time, 
lived in an apartment next door to Audrey Hepburn in Rome. Gotcha. Carol Baker said, I don't think she ever peeked at me, but I peeked at her. At nine <laughs> o'clock every morning, she sat down to breakfast at her dining room table in full makeup and full hair. I don't think she ever relaxed. <laughs> but I don't know. That's just very Audrey, I suppose. Maybe she I know, woke she was up at very seven poised. and relaxed for two, two hours. Well, we didn't get all, into all the details, but... Both her parents, Audrey Hepburn's parents, come from a very elite background, and apparently her mother very much ingrained manners in her. That was very important to her as a child, or as Audrey was a child. So, do you think Eli Wallach looks like Luke? Watching this movie, I could definitely see some similarities. I would not have picked it out of a hat, though. Oh, I don't see it at all. The mustache kind of makes it. I mean. I feel like it's an insult. I do not totally see it. Except that they are both light-skinned man with dark hair. <laughs> yeah, I don't see similarity. Oh, creepy screenshots. <laughs> There, I know this movie is creepy in gross ways. Okay. Yeah, I don't see it. But you know what? That's okay because I would say most of these references made a whole lot of sense. A few kind of mystery outliers, but for the most mm -hmm. part, Miss Celine, she's legit. I don't think she's just a name dropper. I think she knows her stuff. Yes, but a few questions that occurred to me. While we were doing this research. Uh-huh. We did make, for your background listeners, we did make a little chart to try and show the times all these people were alive and active. For one, most of them were pretty active during the 1930s and 40s. Also, we have a known situation where... Miss Celine is calling people celebrities' names, and those people are not actually those celebrities. Well, but she's just saying that they look like them. I know. But is there a chance, just hear me out, <laughs> that Miss Celine either willfully or unsoundly is saying she worked with Marlene Dietrich? Or Elia Kazan or Eli Wallach. But these are really past clients that she <laughs> thought looked like those famous people and has never actually oh. met those famous people. <laughs> oh, that's a good point. That, yes, one option. Second option is there a chance that Miss Selene is a ghost? <laughs> Undead. And that she is continuing Sixth Sense style to be living among all these people. And she did know all these people when they were alive. But really, she's dead and she's just continuing to work as a stylist and or, appear to only the Gilmores. <laughs> or. 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 Could she. Is the answer so clearly, explicitly stated right 
in front of us, under our noses. In that, who has she known since the Big Bang? Mrs. Walter Cronkite. Mrs. Walter Cronkite. So, could she have been born in 1916? This episode came out in 2003. And so, if she was born in 1916, maybe she mostly helped people in the late 1930s. So, she could have been like 20. Maybe she knew she had some great connections and they just Mm -hmm. trusted her right away. Perhaps she was an intern. You know, she was training under another (laughs) great dresser. Mm -hmm. And when this episode of Gilmore Girls came out, she would have been, you know, just... 987. <laughs> and then the year in the life came out. She was in her 90s. You know? Why well, not? Well, it came out... A year in the life came out in 2016, right? So... That, that would have been be her 100th birthday. She is 100. And Emily Gilmore is her last client. And therefore, Lorelai Gilmore. Maybe Lorelai's wedding. That was maybe her... Dressing Lorelai and Luke, those are the last people she ever dressed because she's 100. And that's old. But Olivia de Havilland, or was it her? Olivia de Havilland. (laughs) Olivia de Havilland is 103. Kirk Douglas is 102. So, you know, if they could live... Olive oil. She was eating, drinking, (laughs) bathing in olive oil. I'm so glad I had it for dinner tonight. And I guess all of these people, many of them had overlaps. They were in movies together. They wrote movies for the others. They maybe one introduced to the other. Maybe Clark Gable introduced her to a whole bunch of people. And then she decided to move out to the East Coast. Maybe Mrs. Walter Cronkite. Did she live in New York? Maybe, you know, some New York clients. That's Mm. a thing. And, um... I don't know. I'm. I think Miss Celine is legit. I'm. I'm team legit Celine. Well, I love Miss Celine. She's a wonderful character, and I'm always pleased when she appears in Gilmore Girls. I'm not a hundred percent convinced she's the real deal, but I do <laughs> think she's great at her job. So who cares? <laughs> there we go. She picks out great clothes. She's a lot of fun, and she makes you feel like a famous celebrity. So yeah. what's to go wrong with that? What what's wrong with that? I agree. So Taylor, so Kyla, and that's our show. That's our Missaline Super app. Woo, Missaline! So deserving of her own episode. Oh so my cool. gosh! Let what us know, you guys. What are your favorite Missaline moments? Name drops, outfit recommendations, word pronunciations. As you can tell, mine is Olivia de Havilland. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and mine is Natalie Wood <laughs> we mentioned at the top of the episode all the fun places you can find us to listen to us in your podcast apps you can also find us on twitter at so it's a show so it's a show podcast at tumblr.com so it's a show tiny letter aka tiny letter.com slash so it's a show yep links are in the episode description to some of those and uh Look forward to having next up with you season finale of season three. So uh, here's a teaser for that. I got travel plans of my own. Really? Yep. I'm closing down the diner for a couple of weeks and taking Nicole on a little trip. Fun. We're driving through Western Canada and then taking a cruise up to Alaska. A cruise? Intimate. I guess. 
Is it? The love pose. What? Cruise is a good spot to get down on one knee. And do my ventriloquist act? And propose. I have no plans to propose. You don't now, but after you've had dinner at Captain Steubing's table and Isaac served you up a couple of mojitos. Romantic cruises say commitment, my friend. I am not committing and I am not proposing, so drop it. Okay, it's dropped. Really drop it. Did I not just say it's dropped? I heard it with my own ears. Thank you. Love.